Chapter 8 Saturday morning was clear, cold, and the sky was blue. James ate breakfast with his parents, then told them that he wanted to go and meet some friends in the park. His mum reminded him that they were going out for a family meal, so he better be home before 5pm. He put his warm clothes on, including his waterproof, in case it rained, and he also wore his walking boots, in case his investigations led him further afield. There were round patches of frost on the middles of the paving stones, and the grass in the park was white and icy. He took the same shortcut across the cricket pitch in the cycle track. This time his shoes crunched the crisp, frosty grass. He reached the Sentinelms by 9am. The first thing he wanted to do was have a proper look at them in the light. They were some kind of protection for the Stone of Brighthelm, but James had no idea how they worked. The hedgehog, Hegel, had also given him a clue to where the stone might be hidden. The temporary orange plastic cordon was still up around the broken tree. James looked across the park and could see a crowd of runners near the cafe. Their 5k park run would take them past him in a few minutes, so, to avoid undue attention from the runners, he quickly jumped over the barrier and climbed into the tree. It really was much easier than he remembered from the year before, mainly because of the new gash in the side. Although the trunk looked enormous from the outside, once he was inside there wasn't much room to explore. There was some shiny black fungus growing up one side of the inner trunk that James didn't like the look of. He heard the sound of trainers pounding the main path the park run had started. They didn't run right next to the sentinelms, but kept to the other side the low fence. There was plenty of light inside, but James took out his torch and shone it into any crack or crevice that could have held a secret. He found nothing apart from a few wood lice and a dead slug. Then he noticed a pair of blue eyes staring in through a small knothole framed with a lock of golden hair. Hi, Wilf, he said. Hi, James, said Wilf enthusiastically. Found anything interesting? Not yet. Thanks for coming down to help. There was a scrabbling sound from the floor of the hollowed space, then a small grunt, a movement in the damp leaves, and a second, darker-haired boy appeared, squeezing through the narrow, tunnel-like entrance. Hi, Laurie, James said, holding out his hand for Wilf's younger brother to grab hold of. Laurie pulled himself up and brushed at the mud and dead leaves that were now stuck to his tracksuit bottoms. He immediately climbed up past James and sat on the edge of the gash. A second later, Wilf joined him from the outside and peered into the space. Neither boy was worried about being seen by the runners. Looks the same as always, Wilf said. Apart from the missing branch, he patted the tree affectionately. Yeah, it does, James agreed. He'd remembered to send a message out to the Green Hand gang the night before. Wilf went to choir and art club, and even though he was a year younger than James, he'd been very useful in the past. I'll check the top half out, Wilf said, swinging himself up onto a nearby branch and climbing up away from the hollow trunk. His brother Laurie climbed down onto the grass. James took one last look around inside and climbed up and out of the tree. A large group of slower runners were making their way up the hill. None of them paid any attention to the children playing on the ancient tree. James jumped down and hopped back over the orange cordon. Laurie was standing on the grass with a girl that James recognised. This is my cousin Queenie, Laurie said. She helped out last year, and now she's in year six at Balfour. I just started this term, Queenie said. I'm in Mrs R's class. Thanks for coming to help, James said. Haven't you got an older brother too? Spencer's at wizard school, 
Laurie chirped happily. Wizard school? James raised his eyebrows in shock. This was news to him. Don't listen to him, Queenie said. Spencer's at boarding school, but he comes home soon for Christmas. There was a thud on the ground behind. James looked round to see Wilf tumbling over onto the grass, but the tumble turned into a controlled roll, which ended up with Wilf jumping over the cordon and using his cousin as a buffer to slow him down. Careful, Wilf, Queenie said, pulling Wilf upright. I'm all right, he said. The top of the tree looks fine, but I did find this snagged on a high branch. He held out a loop of webbing, about two feet long and half an inch wide. James looked at it and frowned. It looks like a climbing sling, James said. That's what I thought, Wilf said. My dad's into climbing, and I'm sure he's got a few of these hanging around. What's going on, anyway? Is it Archduke Crackwing again? Laurie asked. No, it's something different, James said, and hopefully we'll be able to shed some light on things today. James went through what he knew. He trusted the other children. They all helped solve a mystery last year, and Wilf and Laurie had helped him out years before that, too. The only part he left out was about Mrs. Gently. He hadn't really worked out what he knew about her, and he didn't want them doing anything silly to stir things up at school. For the next twenty minutes, they investigated the other elm from bottom to top and inside out. It didn't seem to have been damaged at all. Still, at least the weather was good, and that also meant that Jenny should get the opportunity to check out the I-360 on the seafront. The four children thought about what to do next. If that hedgehog put you in charge of protecting these... Trees, what did you call them? Queenie said. Sentinelms! Laurie called out from inside a crevice in the undamaged tree. Anyway, Queenie went on. Then we should try and check on them as often as possible. But if the damage is done, then the foxes won't be back. So what's the point? Wilf said, hanging upside down from the lowest branch, which was still quite high. I want to go and check the rockery, James said. I think that's where Hegel pointed when he talked about the Stone of Brighthelm. Everyone agreed that it was worth a shot. Queenie and Laurie stayed with the Sentinelms. They said they would explore the bushes that Hegel disappeared into. Wilf went with James. The rockery was on the other side of London Road. It was a well-maintained Japanese garden on the steep slope that ran from the road up to the railway sidings. The traffic was heavy, so they walked a little way past the rockery and used the pedestrian crossing. What are we looking for? Wilf asked. They were standing on the large edge stones of a deep pond. Bushy plants and a weeping willow tree bordered the far side, and large fish swam in the waters. They could either go across the pond using stepping stones, or follow a path that led steeply up the bank. I'm not sure, James said. It's been a while since I came here, but I can't remember any place that wasn't easily visible from the path. They took the steep stone steps up and away from the pond. They were uneven, and some of the stone slabs were icy and slippery. As they walked, they looked for anything unusual, or any signs of a secret place or entrance. After a few minutes, they'd reached the top of the rockery, and could look out across the road at Preston Park. Every so often, there were little paths, more like rabbit runs, that led away from the rocky main path and off through the bushes. Most of them were dead ends, or little loops back to the path. Wilf found one from the very top, which led up to the fence to the railway. There were signs of human life up there, between the rockery shrubs and the, and the railway fence, and not pleasant human life. There was a blackened patch where a fire had been lit, a load of plastic bottles and rubbish, 
and something else caught Wilf's eye. Needles, he said. Be careful. What do you mean? James asked. I found some with my dad once. Wilf pointed to a hypodermic needle discarded near the fire. He said they were about as dangerous as anything in Brighton. Tread carefully. James looked at the needle. It was just like the one that his dentist had stuck in his gum before a filling. He was tempted to take a closer look, but Wilf had sounded serious. Besides, this wasn't the sort of place that the stone of Brighthelm would be kept safe. They followed the railway fence and rejoined the main path. They descended through the rockery, across a little bridge, past some interesting-looking plants, but ultimately they found nothing of interest. They crossed the stepping stones from the far side and ended up where they'd started. James was sure they'd find something. He felt like they were close. But they gave up and crossed back over into the park to join the others. Laurie and Queenie were not by the Sentinelms, but after a few minutes they appeared from the walled garden on the far side of the trees. Find anything? Queenie asked. Nothing, Will said. You? Laurie found a dead frog, but other than that we didn't find anything either. With nothing else to do, they let Laurie show them the frog. It was near the smaller square pond in the walled garden, and it was indeed very dead. What now? Wilf asked. Ice cream? Laurie suggested. It was still cold, but the sun was shining, so ice cream was not such a bad idea at all. They walked over to the square cafe, but Laurie said he liked the ice cream at the rotunda more so they made their way down to the pagoda-style café by the rose garden at the opposite end of the park to the elms. Queenie's mum had given her a fiver, for her and the boys. It was just enough when accompanied by a polite request for four ice creams, which they ate while walking around the round pond just outside the rotunda. It was a great way to spend a cold, sunny December day. Even if they weren't getting any further with the mystery, the Green Hands gang were investigating, and that made James feel good. He knew that this was how problems were solved. Sometimes you just had to eat an ice cream in the sun before you could get to the bottom of things.